0: Our scripture this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. Jesus and his disciples came to the other side of the lake, to the region of the Gerasenes. As soon as Jesus got out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs. This man lived among the tombs, and no one was ever strong enough to restrain him, even with a chain, He had been secured many times with leg irons and chains, but he broke the chains and smashed the leg irons. No one was tough enough to control him. Night and day in the tombs and the hills, he would howl and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from far away, he ran and knelt before him, shouting, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. He said this because Jesus had already commanded him, unclean spirit, come out of the man. Jesus asked him, What is your name? He responded, Legion is my name because we are many. They pleaded with Jesus not to send them out of that region. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. Send us into the pigs, they begged. Let us go into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission, so the unclean spirits left the man and went into the pigs. Then the herd of about 2,000 pigs rushed down the cliff into the lake and drowned. Those who tended the pigs ran away and told the story in the city and in the countryside. People came to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who used to be demon-possessed. They saw the very man who had been filled with many demons sitting there fully dressed and completely sane, and they were filled with awe. Those who had actually seen what had happened to the demon-possessed man told the others about the pigs. Then they pleaded with Jesus to leave their region. While he was climbing into the boat, the one who had been demon-possessed pleaded with Jesus to let him come along as one of his disciples. But Jesus wouldn't allow it. Go home to your own people, Jesus said, and tell them what the Lord has done for you and how he has shown you mercy. The man went away and began to proclaim in the ten cities all that Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. And join in singing hymn number 285, Cast Out, O Christ.
1: First, I acknowledge my own temptation in the face of a story like this to avert my eyes. Right out of the boat, we've got an evil spirit. That's what the Common English Bible calls it. Other translations might call this a demon. It certainly calls up demon from my, oh, this is a callback, Frank Peretti reading Days, anybody else out there (sighs) healing from that still? Um, It is hard to know what to do with a story like this, especially with some of that sort of spiritual warfare stuff that I've got in my own background um, and those images of what demons are. It is tempting to just avert my eyes. Uh, But I'm the preacher, (laughs) and I'm going to consciously choose to instead turn toward this story and to mine this story for what might be true. What was true for the original hearers of this story? Why did they remember it? Why did they tell it? Why did they record it? And what might be true for us 2,000 years and I mean, legions of <laughs> miles and cultural and time gaps that need to be jumped over. What's here for us? Well, um, what's true? That's what I'm going to be asking myself and asking in your presence this morning. What is true in this story? One thing that is true is that there are humans living amongst the tombs, even today. There are humans living in places of death and destruction and despair. What is true is that there are communities who wish to control those uncontrollable ones and fail in those efforts. What is true is that there are humans so beset by torment and suffering, that they harm themselves and howl. And what is true is legion. (sighs) Lots of folks have looked at the story and tried to make sense of it, tried to make sense of this demon or evil spirit, possessing spirit. Who, when confronted by Jesus, when Jesus says, who are you? The spirit turns out to be spirits, plural, and says, we are legion, for we are many. And boy, when I look at that, I see a whole lot of truth. Whatever is is tormenting this man who lives amongst the tombs, who lives by himself, separated from the rest of his community and society. Whatever it is that torments him is legion. That legion might be mental health, struggles, addictions, all the things that get entangled and pile up on humans even today. We are legion for we are many. If what this man is facing is some kind of entangled knot of mental health, addiction, any other kinds of struggles like that, my goodness, legion is true. There is not one quick fix. There ain't a pill for that. There's no simple cure. If what this man is facing then or now is societal impressions, the isms, on top of one another. Maybe there's racism, transphobia, uh, classism, uh, all kinds of isms, ageism. There could could be a pile of those things um, existing at an intersection for that person. And what we have learned about intersectionality, uh, thanks to the Combahee women and others, is that intersectionality is not just three oppressions that with plus symbols. They're not just added to one another. But the way intersectionality works is when they exist in a single human, they are exponential. And the oppression experienced is exponential. So if what this human is facing then or now is this intersection of social oppressions, what is true is we are legion for we are many." Other commentators have looked at this and read a political story. There's a lot of sort of symbolism and allegory that might come together at play. Legion, after all, is the name for a battalion in the Roman army. And so if what this human is facing is living under military occupation, then or now, living under settler colonialism, capitalism, the global market economy, well, then what is true is we are legion, for we are many. Whether mental health, whether social oppressions, whether military occupation, what is true is that what bounds humans up in oppression is legion. I was struck in the hymn that we just Saying, I hadn't noticed this when I was uh, working on this sermon, but wars are raging at this hour. And I felt that. And I thought, huh, what a testament to our world that you can write a hymn text like that and ensure it's true in any time and any place that humans are going to sing it. Wars are raging at this hour. What is true is that That which binds humans is legion. It is big and hairy and complicated and entangled. And it's all of a piece, whether it's mental health, addiction, social oppressions, political machinations, it is all of a piece and all contributes to that being bound up. And it takes 2000 pigs to absorb the violence and oppression that this one human is facing. (laughs) <laughs> we don't have enough pigs in the world to absorb the violence and oppression that each one is facing. All of that feels really true to me when I turn toward this text instead of getting stuck in the sort of, a sort of literal reading of a demon being sent to a pig. Another thing that's true is that when Jesus indeed liberates this man of legion, of the entangled, messy knots of all that binds him up and keeps him from being free and whole. When Jesus liberates this one man, the community comes to see him and they're amazed, like, what, this is the same dude, no way. The guy from the tombs? And they were filled with awe, the text tells us. Uh, But also fear is what the text tells us. And then those who had actually seen what happened to the man told the story and then the people begged Jesus to leave. This one's a hard one, but I have to say what I think feels true to me in this story is, um, and I think about folks, you know, right out on our doorsteps and how hard it is to live in relationship with them day after day after day. And all I can long for is liberation, right? Liberation and freedom. And then I wonder how much me and as a society or community, we, sort of take some comfort in that status quo that there are other people who are suffering and they're over there. And if we can if we can blame them a little bit for how they ended up over there, all the better, so that we feel safer ourselves from that kind of bondage. And I just wonder the ways in which I'm implicated in how we hold people out there to kind of create a, an anchoring sense for ourselves. How hard it can be to be confronted with true liberation. That's a hard truth for me to live with. And finally, what feels true to me as I look turn toward this story is Jesus' instruction then to the healed one. I mean, you can imagine why he doesn't want to stick around. These are people that have tried to bind him up and have kept him in the tombs. And now that Jesus has liberated him, they want him to, they want Jesus to hightail it out of there. So he's like, please, can I just come along? (laughs) Can I just come with you? And Jesus says, no, this is tough, y'all. Jesus sends him back. And there's a part of me that's like, "Oh, sending him back to his abusers, right? Like that at its most extreme. That's not that's not a message I want to take from the Jesus story and from our gospels is that Jesus sends us back to our abusers. Um I don't think that is consistent with the whole of the witness of Jesus's life and yet here we are confronted with Jesus sending him back to his people. Go home to your own people," Jesus said, "and tell them what the Lord has done for you and how he's shown you mercy. And this this takes me back to, um, I don't know if it was 2020. It was maybe before that, actually, when I first really kind of took in black organizers and anti-racist spaces saying to white folks, go get your people, right? Like, we can't be the one the ones. It is not safe for us, and it's not realistic for us, and it's not fair, frankly, to ask us to have conversations with your racist Uncle Nikki, right? Go, go, please. Go. <laughs> get your people. Um, and so that's a thing I sort of carry with me. How do I keep going to get my people? Exactly what you were talking about, Pastor Charlene, with families and hard conversations. Or was it Beth? Yeah. Beth. Sorry. Someone this morning. That's it. Yes, it was, it was Beth. Beautiful souls. I just got you mixed up. Um, how do we, oh yeah, it was the just peace lamp. That's exactly when it was. How do we have those hard conversations and divisions within our own families and communities and keep going to get our people, get sent by Jesus back to our own people? I'm thinking about it right now with Um, Muslim organizers, specifically Palestinian organizers, but Muslim organizers of all kinds, and Jewish organizers for for justice and peace in Gaza and beyond, who are calling on Christians. Like, Christians, go get your people. And again, for lots of reasons, it's less safe for people who are visibly uh, Muslim or Jewish in public to take that kind of stand. And so... Christians, please go get your people, and also maybe talk about Christian Zionism and how that's kind of undergirding what's happening right now with the occupation and genocide. Just this week, I got—many um, of you are probably on the same um, FASNA, the Friends of Sibyl North America mailing list, and Jonathan Kattab, who's a Palestinian Christian and a liberation theologian, um, wrote this plea— to Christians, and specifically Christians in the US. And one of the things that stuck out to me, he says the expression alu akbar, repeated often by Muslims, should not be translated as God is great, but more accurately, God is greater than. And I was just thinking, it just like resonated right then with Jesus and, and legion, right? Jesus comes and encounters legion. <laughs> The entang- and Jesus is greater than. So how do we in our faith claim that, along with our Muslim kin, that God is greater than? Even the messy, hairy, entangled ball of injustice and oppression that anyone faces, or addiction, or mental health struggles. How do we keep claiming that in the face of continued struggle? God is greater than. God is greater than. God is greater than. He also shares that his question as a Christian is not, where is God during the Gaza genocide, but rather, where are God's people? Um, So a good question for us to hear, um, to hear really deeply. And so when I look, when I turn toward this really difficult story, I actually encounter... A great deal that is true, and not just a great deal that is true, but actually a great deal that that offers me hope, in the sense of hope being in action, and hope being a path that we can walk with one another. I see these truths. Number one, what binds us and what binds humans is legion. It's not your fault that you can't just get over it. It's not someone else's fault. (laughs) What binds us is legion. Two, Jesus is liberator. Right down to his core. Like this is just kind of the heart of what he does. Certainly in Mark's gospel. This is the heart of who he is and what he does. The first thing he does in Mark in Jewish territory is cast out a spirit. And this is Gentile territory. The first thing he does in Gentile territory is cast out a spirit. What Jesus does is liberates. And I'm struck that he doesn't just wave a magic wand and suddenly liberate every single individual in all the communities, right? Like, boy, that'd be kind of nice if there were just a magic wand and poof. Everyone's liberated. Instead, he liberates this one and sends him back to his people, entrusting the work of liberation to the community. So what binds us is legion. That's real. When it feels like it's insurmountable, that's because it is. Jesus is liberator. And Jesus sends us to liberate one another. Maybe the last thing, oh, I don't know. I feel like that was a good place to end on. This is maybe less of a good place to end on. This is the problem with not writing manuscripts anymore. (laughs) You don't craft your final words always. Now I have to say it now, especially at this point. Um, One of the things that another commentator said this week that really struck me is that when Jesus shows up, the demon trembles. And I sort of also like that Jesus is like, they know, the, de- the, the, the legion knows Jesus's name, but Jesus is like, who are you? What's your name? You know, in some ways kind of asserting that greater than legion. I got some pigs for you, legion. Um, and I wonder if the demons tremble when we come near as Jesus followers. That's the sort, of, sort of life of faith I think I'd like to live, right? is the sort of Jesus-following life that causes the legions out there to tremble when I come near. With y'all. Even better, right? When we come together. Then, then they're really going to tremble. All right, so I'm going to come back to it because I wasn't sure that was the place to end. What binds us is legion. That is true jesus is liberator that is true and longs for liberation for all and we are sent back to our people and entrusted to the ministry of liberation with and for one another let's do it may it be so